And I like to start with something funny. I heard this funny story as you're finding your way to John 1. If you, you, can, you, don't, have, if you don't have your Bible, use your iPhone or your iPad. If not, use your eyelids and you can look at the screen in just a few minutes, okay? Uh, but John, uh, we're going to talk about finding the perfect balance between truth and grace. How many know there is a balance between truth and grace? Well, yeah. And actually, it says grace and truth, so grace is actually first. But uh, I heard this funny story about this uh, lady. You know, she was kind of stressed out going to work. And how many of you know, if you ever go to, like, major cities, there's people, like, asking for money at almost every traffic light. You ever been in that situation? How many of you, I'm, let's just see your hand. How many of you have people, and it's, like, annoying, and it's awkward because you don't want to not do something that's kind. But how many of you know some of those people, you look at them, and they've got, like, the latest pair of tennis shoes on? Yeah, I heard, and I've read an article about this, that people, act, some of those people at Panhandle actually make more money than people who work in, you know, two jobs and try to make ends meet. So I get a little, you know, indignant sometimes, and most of the time I'm a nice guy, but I have my moments like you, and this lady was just having a moment. This guy came over, knocking on the window, I was like, hey, I'm homeless, can I have money? And, you know, put your window down, and she's like, oh, Lord. I'm going to be late for work. I'm waiting for my check. You know, she's like that. It's like the day before payday. She's, I think she got paid biweekly or something. Anyway, and she was digging in her purse, and she found a dollar bill, and she, like, gave it to the guy. And she said, I just want to let you know something, sir. I mean, no, she was having a moment right there. <laughs> I know none of you ever have a moment. Most of you guys are just, you know, come on, you're spiritual all the time. you got a halo and perfectly fluffed angel's wings, right? Come on, now, who are you kidding? She said, I want to let you know something, sir. Ordinarily, she didn't say a whole lot, but she just, you know, she was relieving. She had a little stress. She said, I am giving you this money, this dollar bill, not because I think you need it, but because I'll, I will feel better today about myself. And he said, well, ma'am, as long as you're at it, why don't you give me $100? You can enjoy the whole week. <laughs> Praise God. All right. John chapter 1 and verse 14. Are you there? The Word became flesh. How many know Jesus is the living Word? The Word, think about that, became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son of God who came from the Father. Watch this. Here's what I want to key in on with you for the few moments we have left today. Full. Everybody say full. full. Now say it like you're not Presbyterian. Okay, say full. There you go. It's better. I'm, some of you sound like you got a mouthful of marbles. Oh. Full of grace and truth. Say that out loud with me. Full of grace and truth. Let's try it together now. Full of grace and truth. One more time. Full of grace and truth. So why does that matter? That Jesus was the perfect balance of grace and truth. Why does that matter? Well, because if we're Christians, how many know we're followers of Christ? And so we should strive by the help of the Holy Spirit to be more like Jesus each and every day of your life. Can you say amen? amen. So if he's full of grace and of truth, then how many know that you and I should strive to be filled with grace and truth? And so you'll see who the grace givers are and the truth tellers by my, when we go throughout the sermon, because the amens will come and I say something about grace over here, and the, I, no, I'm just kidding, y'all. But we each, listen, each one of us err on the side of either grace or truth in our lives. How many of you understand what I mean? Okay, so, you know, we're going to talk about this 
But before we do and get into it, let's go to God in prayer one last time. Father, uh, unfortunately, the church has not always got this right. When it comes to people and the way we handle people, Lord, whether it, it's people that don't know you, Lord, or even our own brothers and sisters in Christ, help us, Lord, to strive for that perfect balance, Lord, like scales on a balance of truth and grace, grace and truth, Lord. Father, I pray that this morning, God, in these handful of moments we have, God, before we leave your house, that you'll impart something deep in our spirit, God, that we will strive to be more like you by the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name, all God's people said. Amen. Amen. For years, you know, our country has been known as a Christian nation. Think about this. We just celebrated July 4th a few weeks ago, right? And it uh, talked about freedom that we have here as Americans. You know, for years, we were considered a, a Christian nation. How many understand? God bless the USA, et cetera, et cetera, all that, right? But today, watch this. There's a growing number of people that do not consider this country, the United States of America, to be what we would call, uh, what we know as a Christian nation. It's actually a growing number. In fact, how they view us is people who are full of hatred many times. They're uh, hypocrites. Hypocritical. How many of you understand? This is on second. This is not like a some revelation. This is like commonplace on any just about any news source that you would watch, mainstream media. Uh, we could be even at the worst case scenario scenario uh, viewed as dangerous people. Why? Because we call ourselves born again Christians. And if you're you know what they call an evangelical Christian, well man, they put you in a category all by themselves. How many of you are, you're with me? You, you get the point where I'm going here. And so, what they're calling this now, and I don't agree with this, but they're calling it the post-Christian era or age. And we have to be careful. Let's face it, folks. We have to be extremely careful how we live our lives because if not, we will turn into Europeans. Have you been to Europe? In the la anybody been over there? And you see the things that are just condoned, illicit behavior, all kinds of things. And so, you know, um, basically... Post-Christian, I want to make sure that you're, you're hearing what I'm saying to set this up. Um, it's someone who has had even a connection spiritually or even religiously. A connect, in other words, I was confirmed. Somebody says, I was confirmed, right, in a, in a church, maybe a Catholic church, or I was baptized that, as an infant, you know, and I won't get into all that right now, but you hear, what, you hear my heart today. They've had some affiliation with a church, and therefore they consider themselves a Christian, but... Today, what we're seeing is a growing number of also of people. How many understand? I'll say it like this. The American church is in a great decline. What are we going to do about it? Because this is actually on our ticker. So it goes far beyond whether our church is doing well in this location, Peckville Assembly of God or Honesdale Thrive Church or the, or the, or the other multi-site campuses that are on the horizon. How many understand that this is, we're talking about the universal church now? around the world, but yet specifically in the 50 states called the United States of America, the church is in a major decline, folks. I don't know if you realize that. How many of you, you remember when you were a kid that you couldn't even get a seat, even in a Catholic church, on a Saturday night high mass if you didn't get there early? Remember those days? Now it's like, take your pick. Most of them are on the multi-list. So hence the point that, you know, there is a growing number that believe we're no longer a Christian nation. 
And so, so here's the question. Now, here's the question I want to ask you. How do we faithfully represent Jesus in what they would call a post-Christian culture? How do we faithfully represent Christ? How many know we're ambassadors of Christ, Paul said? Therefore, making this, God making his appeal through us. How do we represent the Lord well in this nation that seems to be drifting? And Dad preached a great message on drifting a couple weeks ago. I would go back and get the, get the video on it. It was powerful. But how many know you could be drifting and not even know it? You ever been in a boat and you're fishing and next thing you know, and he told the story about these guys going over the, like the Niagara Falls tragically to their death. And the three of them took two days to find their bodies. They never even knew they were drifting. How many of you understand if we're not careful, we could be drifting? <laughs> Amen. So, so, and then, you know, we've got to say, how do we honor, listen, God and dignify people in a culture that is drifting? without being viewed, and we are viewed, just watch the media, and this is not a political statement, but how many of you would agree that our country is probably more divided than it's ever been? Let's just say politically, for one. Have you ever seen a time, I mean, even those of you that lived through the Vietnam era, that the the church, that that our nation is divided? And I want to say something to you. No matter who holds the Oval Office, the mission of the church is still the same. It doesn't matter. I'm not saying it doesn't matter who's president, but your job and my job as representatives, ambassadors of Christ, is to seek and save, to reach out to the lost, amen? To love God and to love people. And so this is what we're talking about, grace and truth. We're called to live and love with grace and truth. We're called to live and to love with grace and truth. Say that out loud with me. We're called to live and to love with grace and truth. That's what we're called to do. We're called to do that. And so, you know, again, if Jesus was the perfect balance of truth that sets us free, and yet the grace that saves us, how many of you understand we have to strive to be more like Him? Amen. Amen. And so... Uh, the problem is we haven't always got it right. And I don't know how many of you grew up in church. I've literally been in church like every Sunday, Brother Martin, of my life. <laughs> right? I mean, anybody grew up like that? Every single, yeah, right? But every single Sunday of my life, practically, I've been in church. And how many know not all churches uh, are strong on the grace side? How many of you grew up in a church years ago where they literally had somebody standing at the door and say, hey, take that hat off your head. Hey, tuck that shirt tail in your pants. Oh, you're in the house of the Lord. They're like Nazi out there. And how many of they go outside, that same guy, and he's smoking a cigarette out behind the building. They were just mean. Come on, you know it's true. They were just mean, mean people. And the truth, you got to get the truth in you, brother. Oh, these kids today, the way they dress and the way they're smoking that weed and all of this stuff. And they need the truth or they're going to burn in hell. And you know, how many know what's happened because of that message being so on the side of truth that has driven many people away from the cross? And so, there, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great challenge today. So let me say this to you, if you're taking notes, I hope you are. This is the first point. Truth without grace leads to rebellion. Truth without grace leads to rebellion. How many of you know legalistic type families? 
right? Anybody know anybody like that? Don't point at the people across the room, okay? This is not that message. <laughs> Legalistic, it's all rules and regulations. And it's like the truth, the truth, the truth. The Bible says, and this, and this, and this. And we get so far on the side of truth, it's almost a guarantee, loved ones, that your kids will rebel and never serve God a day in their life. Is anybody home today? We can get so strong, heavy-handed raising our children and so about truth all the time that we forget that there's another side called grace. Can you say amen? Amen. And so truth without grace leads to rebellion. But here's the other side of that. Grace without truth leads to relativism. Grace without the truth leads to relativism. What does that mean? Well, it means there's no such thing, relativism, as absolute truth, right? It's like, look, that whatever's okay for you, uh, that's okay, but that's not okay for me. How many of you understand? That's called relativism. So when, it, when it's gra- like grace, when it's just all grace and there's no truth, that's like, oh, whatever you want to do is okay. How many of you know that's called greasy grace? That's where you go. There, you know that term. Okay. So way on the other side of that is this greasy grace message that actually is very popular today and fills up churches, believe it or not. I'm okay. You're okay. We're all going to be okay. And... I'm telling you, friends, you understand this. Men of God, women of God will give an account for that message one day. It just ain't so. It's not like God, there's going to be a cattle call when the trumpet sounds and God's just going to say, y'all come home. Everybody's welcome to come to heaven. I promise you, it's not so. So there's truth, but how many know there's also grace? What is grace? Grace, in a simple definition of all, is unmerited favor, right? It's the goodness of God that we don't deserve. How many know amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me? That was my grandma's favorite song, my mom's mom. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind. You remember those days? You're in darkness, but now I see. And so truth and grace, you know, and so we've, we're, we're dealing with this culture, and I'm, I'm a positive person, you know me, but I, I'm a realist. I call it, get you a little bit of Jesus syndrome. Just get you a little Jesus. And it looks like this. I watch my favorite preacher on Instagram for a minute and 14 seconds, and I hit a little, and I like what he said, so I hit a little tap, tap. A little heart heart, you know? And if I'm really feeling it, then I say, I might even type, amen, exclamation point. Get you a little Jesus. Come on, how many know this is true? Or you might put the praise hands up or something, you know? Or, you know, it's okay, live however you want, just don't miss reading the daily verse on the YouVersion Bible app. As long as you keep that streak going, you got you a little bit of Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How about this one? Don't come to church unless there's absolutely nothing else going on that's bidding for your time. Get you a little bit of Jesus. You'll be fine. That is not in your Bible. So there's truth, and how many know there's grace? So we're not talking about grace erring on the side of do whatever the heck you want, and somehow God is just going to, and people will quote verses about it. Well, God loves everybody. That's true. He loves the sinner too. And that doesn't mean the sinner's going to heaven. 
truth and grace. Amen? Amen. And so grace, you know, again, undeserved kindness, the favor, the goodwill of God. The Bible says the kindness of God leads men to repentance, right? Where do we get, what does grace do? Grace saves us. Ephesians, you know this, this verse 2, 8, for it is by grace. If you have it, put it on the screen. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, for it is by, everybody say it, grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. How many know it's a gift of God? That's right. You couldn't earn it. God knows we don't deserve it. That's why it's called grace. It's unmerited favor. Amen? And so, grace that we're saved, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not by work so that no man can boast. So, Jesus came filled with grace and truth. Let's do a little exercise. I want you to look down your row now for me. Let's go ahead and look down your row, if you would. Wave to the people down your row. Say, hi, everybody. Don't give them a judgmental stare. That's another church. So in any row in America, let's just say this is a church row. It's not necessarily in this church, but in any given church, there are pews. If you're up in Honesdale Church, which I'm hoping they're soon going to go and we'll have comfortable seats, amen? But <laughs> some of you sitting on those, you've sat on those, they're like, I need to see the chiropractor after. Um, but there's, a, there's rows. So these rows represent, watch this now, people. We could say in this seat right here, there's a wonderful woman who loves God, and she's got a best friend who's, her best friend has been, uh, you know, she might be more successful than her in the area of finance or something. She might wear nicer clothes. Watch this. So she loves her friend to her face, but how many know she gossips to, about her friend behind her back? And I just got your attention, didn't I? I felt that too. And next to her could be her husband. And watch this. Her husband, could, he's a highly successful businessman. He knows business so well. I mean, he, it, it's, it's amazing. He's done very, very well. But the problem is he's not a very generous man. You know anybody like that? And next to them could be, an, we'll say, an elderly saint, a, a great woman of God that's been in the church for a long time. And she teaches in some churches a Sunday school. And she's really, really, and I mean this gifted. Come on, you know this type gifted, and she's faithful, and she's been involved in the work of God for a long, long time. And people respect her and look up to her, but the problem is that she has unforgiveness towards her mother who's deceased over 30 years ago. Do you know anybody like this? And next in this seat here, this guy is what you would call like a college-age party animal. You know anybody like that? If there's bear, he's there. And when the music's, you know, playing, he's thumping it out. And there's girls, he's there, and he's doing all kinds of things with all kinds of women, and you know what, he might feel bad about it in his heart, but he really doesn't care that much because it's all about him. And then down here, on the last seat in the row, is a man that's done none of those things, but he's been in the church his entire life. And he's a good man. He can quote scriptures. He could turn to the Bible. His Bible's all dog-eared and highlighted, and he takes notes, and he's really into it. Never miss a Sunday uh, service. Or, but, you know, the problem is that he looks down his nose at, he's, at these other losers in a judgmental way. 
You know anybody like this? And so let me ask you this question. Who needs grace? Let me ask you a question now in this room. Don't answer this. Who needs grace in this room? Because I don't know about you, friend, but the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all blown it. The Bible says the minute that you're complaining about the speck in your brother's eyes, you've got to check your own eyeball because you've got a telephone pole jetting out of it. Truth and grace. Grace and truth. So what does it lead us to? Grace saves, but truth frees. Say that out loud with me. Grace saves, truth frees. Say it again like you mean it. Grace saves, truth frees. One more time. Grace saves at home, truth frees. You need both. You can't be one way or the other. You can't be so gracious all the time that everything is okay and you wink at sin and you just kind of leave them alone. Well, I just hope someday they come around. No, that's not right. But you also can't be so truthful all the time and so hard and critical and judgmental on everybody that comes in your field of vision that you're somehow holier than thou. Certainly, we need the grace of God. And we need the truth of God. It's the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. There's so many examples biblically, Brother Martin, and you're, oh, so many examples biblically. You know, we've talked about this earlier. There's churches that have been so truthful over the years, so hard and hard and hard, and I know some of them that no longer are in existence anymore. Okay, I won't say it. But we have people that have come from those places because they have no house to worship any longer. And the pastor was a good teacher, but he was so hard on truth and truth and truth that there's nobody in the building. Because he forgot the, the, the other 50% called grace. Amen. Amazing grace. Amen? Amen. Whew, thank God for grace. And so it's by grace that we're saved. And so, you know, who in your road today needs some grace? I don't know about you, friend, but I need grace. I need grace every day of my life, man. Lord, forget being a pastor just to be a man in this world that we're living in. I need busloads of grace poured out upon my, on my being every day. Is, is there any real people here this morning? God bless you all. Truth and grace. It's actually grace and truth, finding the balance. And so... What do you do with this? What do you do with this message? Again, you know, years ago in church, it, the Amer- I'm talking about the American church, now watch this. It was, uh, the miss was the message. Behave, or I'm going to pull your ear. <laughs> right? Everybody? Dr. Murray was talking about this. How many, know, how many ever got their ear pulled? Friends, there's a reason my right ear is twice as long as my left. They would lead us to salvation, amen? (laughs) And this is what they they literally would say. Behave. Right? Smack you in the back of the head or something like that. (laughs) Don't smile. It's not supposed to be fun in church. It's serious, right? 
You know, how many know about years ago, if it was fun, it was sin? Okay, it was just <laughs> everything, music was sin. I mean, if it was, it, it, listen, if you, the only thing you could listen to, Brother Martin, besides the church music was Beethoven or Christmas carols. Everything else was taboo. Okay? You with me? So they would say like this, behave! And then watch it. Here's the next one. And then now, once you behave, then you start believing like we do. Behave like we do. This was the message. You've been around church a long time, you know I'm preaching truth right here. Behave like we, you come in here, you're going to behave like we do, and then secondly, then you're going to start believing like we do, and if you behave like we do, and you believe like we do, then we might let you belong here. Let me tell you the problem with that message. First of all, it's totally in opposition of the gospel. And I'm going to show you a scripture that will remind you of that and probably blow some of your minds in just a second. It's not behave and then believe and then you can belong. How many understand people today are looking for hope? They're looking for a place that belong and they might not even agree with the church. They might not agree with the pastor. They might not agree with our belief system. Because how many know this is not a church for insiders? Can you say amen? amen? Jesus talked about four types of soil in the parables of the soil. Think about it. You can't be so truthful. You can be so truthful that the only person that you agree with is you. And you're not even happy yourself. You look in the mirror and you get aggravated with your own thought life. Think about this, friends. Behave, believe, and then we might let you belong. It's not the gospel. Jesus said, listen, come to me as you are. And some of you are sitting here today, I promise you, friends, and you're saying, this is so dangerous. What you're preaching is so dangerous because we're so afraid that people are going to do anything they want and somehow think they're on their way to heaven. Let me tell you something. The great apostle Paul wrestled with this very thing, and he wrote it in Romans 6 and 1. And this is what he said. Listen to this. What shall we say then about this issue of truth and grace? What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means, exclamation point. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live it in it any longer? Right there. Amen. Are you, did you hear what he said? So what do we do? We lead with grace and we proclaim the truth. I've got to lead with grace and we proclaim the truth. The challenge with truth in the postmodern era is many are so skeptical of what truth we proclaim. They would tell you that anyone that proclaims truth is arrogant and they're full of themselves and they think they're the only one that God somehow loves. That's because the world that we live in, in particular the media, has twisted this message so greatly that therefore people, how many understand that's been like the work of the devil to keep people away from the work of God? And see, you have these tensions going on here. And so, listen, truth is not repressive or oppressive. Truth has rules. If you go all the way back to the garden, think about the tree. God said, listen, enjoy this. How about this? He said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. How many of you love that verse right there? Amen? I heard one pastor say, I got six kids. It's not because I love my kids so much, but I really love my wife. Amen? 
Praise God. Ah, you get it later. Anyway. <laughs> but God said, listen, enjoy, subdue the earth. Come on, you know this. This is in Genesis. He said, but there's one tree that I forbid you to touch. How many understand there's freedom when there's restrictions? It's like a football game, right? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. There's true freedom when there's some rules and some boundaries. There's a reason there's guardrails on the highway out there, right? I noticed they had to put all new ones out here. Did you see it? They paved the whole road out here. Praise God. Amen. Amen. This is Northeast Pennsylvania. They don't exactly use gold to pave the roads. But now that they paved the whole road, and it's really beautiful out there. Have you noticed how nice it is? Now they put all new guardrails on. But how many know that the guardrails are there for a reason? The rules, the Ten Commandments are there for a reason. Can you say amen? Amen. So we're not saying you don't need truth. You need truth, but it's never repressive or oppressive. Okay? Jesus said, watch this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Are you still with me? No man comes to God the Father except by me, except by Jesus. Amen? So truth is actually a person, the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? Grace saves but truth frees. You shall know, John 8, 32, the truth, and the truth shall what? Set you free, of course. So now go to John 8, and I'll close with this. John chapter 8. Everybody doing okay? This morning, I felt very strongly in my spirit these last couple weeks to preach on this because we need to become more balanced, friends. Just like you need a balanced diet, how many know you need a balanced spiritual life too? Amen. You cannot be all one way or the other. You'll give an account for every idle word and every idle deed just like I will one day. So if I had to boil it down to like, there's so many stories in the Bible about this. Kyle preached on Daniel this morning. That's an example of not compromising in our faith, right? Uh, but this one here... This is the woman who's caught in the act of adultery, John chapter 8. And I want to show you where Jesus demonstrates the perfect balance. Let's just look at it. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, and, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Let me just stop right there. Can I just say something about that? What in the world were they doing that they, had, that they caught her in adultery anyway? Can you read between the lines? Okay, I won't say any more about that. That's all I'm going to say about that. Like, all right? <laughs> and they put her in the front of the crowd. Teacher, look at verse 4. They said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Who are these guys? These guys are, would be the pastors, the professors of theological seminaries. They were the religious leaders of the day. Okay? Agreed? And they catch this woman in the act of sex, adultery. Okay? No children in the room, is there? Okay. And they catch her in the act, it says, And they grab her and they fling her to the front of the crowd where Jesus is teaching and they come up with this law. Truth. This is what they say. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Look at verse 5. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? How many know they were always trying to trip them up? 
Oh, my God. Can I tell you, friends, we are coming, and in fact, we are in a day right now, I'm saying this to you in love, that the world is all this craziness that's going on out there. They're trying to get a statement from you and from me. What do you say about that? No, there's denominations that are electing homosexual and lesbian uh, clergy. What do you think about that? Why do you think they say those things? Hmm. I just let that sit for a minute and marinate in your mind. This woman was caught in the act of the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say, Jesus? The Bible says they were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. Same thing the world tries to do to the church. My God, friends, if anybody knows that, we saw that here on Easter Sunday in the year 2020. Amen. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. You know, there's only theories on what he was writing there. How many of you understand this? That's one of the most scrutinized passages. If you just go a little deep, we're almost done. Right, Matt, you understand. This is one of the most scrutinized passages. Why did he stoop down while this woman, who was probably crying because she was so humiliated in front of a throng of people caught in the act of adultery, and they announced it to everybody, and the Bible said that Jesus stooped down. He didn't answer them. How many know sometimes you need to be slow to speak and quick to listen? My mom used to say to me when I was a kid, because I used to talk all the time, Brother Martin, I'd sit at her table and just talk, and she'd say, son, God gave you two ears and one mouth. <laughs> Listen twice as much as you talk, and you'll be fine. <laughs> Extroverted. It's called verbal thinker. We think right out loud, you know. But Jesus didn't answer them. Notice how quiet he was. But he took his finger, the Bible said, watch this, and he knelt down, and he started to write in the dust or the dirt, and there's only theories on what he wrote. Some people believe that he wrote the sins of the Pharisees, the religious leaders who brought this shamed woman and threw her at his feet. Can I tell you what I, what, and I'm not saying this is gospel. You know what I, I thought I had? I'm thinking he might have wrote the names of their mistresses. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. Like, Sally. <laughs> I'm not going to say any more names because somebody's going to have that name here and I'm going to get, you know, going to get all mad at me. The devil's going to speak here and see, they know all about you. I told you not to go to that church, you know. <laughs> but the Bible said, watch what, <laughs> let's continue on. <laughs> they were so full of truth, these guys, but they had no grace. Look at verse 9. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one. It was like, <laughs> I think I'll go back to preaching now. Let me go back to my church so I can beat them over the head with the Bible and browbeat everybody. <laughs> you need both. You need truth and grace. They slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left. Listen to this. In the middle of the crowd with the woman. Look at verse 10. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Where's your accusers? They're all gone. All these people that pointed out your faults are no longer standing at the revival service. And they were like gifted in theology, you know. Great preachers, great teachers, great men of God. Let me tell you something. Anybody that teaches, the fires of hell will be stoked about, it, stoked about eight times hotter. 
So we have to be careful that we don't get this message so far to one extreme or the other. Truth and grace. Are you still with me? I'm almost done. You know, and we get this, we say, he without sin, cast the first stone. Right? How many, it's true. You know, if you're without sin, Jesus said that. He didn't throw a stone at her. How many know he loved her? And this is what he said. Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And then Jesus said, neither do I. Watch this. Here's a difference now. Go and sin no more. But what a freeing verse that is. Huh? Aren't you glad that they didn't delete that one out of the canonization scripture? I am. So, just for a minute, before we're done, everybody doing okay? We're going to go have chicken dinner or something nice, I'm sure. And then we'll go, we'll be at Thrive tonight. It's going to be awesome. It'll bless you. But let's go back to the chairs just for a minute. This lady here who gossips, she's nice to her friend's face, but she gossips behind her back. I want to say, if you're in this church, listen, you're welcome here. We love you. And we want you to be part of an imperfect church that's filled, starting with yours truly, of imperfect people. But the truth is, envy rots the bones. And to her husband, who's highly successful in business because he really loves money, you're welcome here. We're here to love you and to help you and to be a system of support for your kids and your grandkids and your families and to dedicate your babies and to marry your young and to bury your dead like Dad did yesterday for a family here. They're in the early service, but you know, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's what the truth is. But you're still welcome here. Can you say amen? And to this woman who's a gifted teacher, Brother Martin, she's a gifted Sunday school teacher or a small group leader, and she's got wonderful gifts, and people love her, but yet she's got this unforgiveness in her heart. Ma'am, the truth is, the Bible says that you're to forgive as Christ Jesus has forgiven you. And can, can I just say this? This is, I'm, I'm almost done here. In fact, Martin, would you come back to the keyboard? This man right here, this, this, in this guy, can I just say this, folks? Being a, an old church boy, preacher's kid, and have been at every camp meeting and revival service and crusade and convention, you know, Martin, the way we were raised. This is the way we came up, right? Yeah. And these, this guy right here, who's so religious that he's looking down his nose on these other people. Sir, the Bible said, he who exalts himself will be humbled. The Bible says that pride, and that's actually spiritual pride, comes before a fall. But you're welcome here. But this, this is the person I have the hardest time liking of all of them. Is this okay today? I re, is this okay? I'm just, is this, I'm just right from my heart. I'm just, I love you, and I want to I be honest with you. I have a hard time with these kind of people. 
Only eternity will know how many people has been kept away from this church and kept away from the cross because people sometimes have erred so strongly on the side of truth and you must do all this and if you're not a certain way and if you don't fit in this mold and you don't behave and believe, there's no way you're ever going to belong here. I know this is not this kind. This church is not that kind of church. I understand that. But how many know we all can be shades and nuances of this man right here? Oh, amazing grace. How sweet the sound. You say, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute, pastor. You forgot one. (laughs) No, I didn't forget. This chair was actually me. Because I was that guy. I'm not proud of my past, but guess what? Because I received the grace of Jesus. And because this ministry, a long time ago, and by and large still is, operating, pastoring, in fact, in grace and in love. Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. Can you say amen? Amen. And it feels good, I'm telling you. Whew, after the year we had last year, <laughs> to just sit down for a minute. Right? I mean, Jimmy, a, a worldwide pandemic, or whatever you want to call it, with all the racial upheaval, Ron, attention like we've never seen, the division in our nation. And uh, God, the political, listen, The world needs, a divided country needs a united church. Amen. Amen. And we have, you know, I'm just saying this from my heart. We have to be careful that we don't take this position like, you know what? I don't like her because they didn't vote like I did. Leave it alone, would you? Would you keep your eyes upon Jesus? The Bible says, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Come on. How long are we going to get stuck in this stuff? Man, I'm so sick of the whole thing. I want to put a mask over my ears so I don't have to hear anymore. Amen. Do yourself a favor and, you know, get healed from the alphabet disease, right? ABC, CBS, CNN, you know, NBC. Come on, friends. Read your Bible. Go to church. Love God, know that, you know, it's not greasy grace, but it's not truth to the point where they throw the woman who was caught in sin at the feet and stick their chest out and somehow try to say, we're so much better than her. And Jesus, how many know he read their mail, man? What about you? You need the grace of God today. I do. And I mean it. And And the church has done well. I mean, we've... We've completed 2020. It was the best year we ever had. Guess what? 2019, the year before that, was the best year. 2018 was the Guess what? This year, we're way, way, way ahead of anything we projected. Can you say praise God? Oh, hallelujah. Whew. But I still need His grace. Every single day, friends. And I need the truth of the Word of God in my spirit. To make Christ-honoring decisions. I don't always get it right. Do you always get it right? Come on. Who are we trying to kid? This is why this world no longer attends churches. And there's empty seats everywhere. Because it's been, it's been used in such a way 
And I'm saying the motive was pure. The heart was right, but... Now, I'm just going to ask you this question. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back with Martin. We're going to sing this beautiful song, Amazing Grace, in just a minute. But man, oh man, can I ask you a question today? Nobody looking around. Please, heads bowed, eyes closed to this morning. I really feel his presence here today. I want to ask you, how many of you really would say, you know what, Terry, Pastor, I need God's grace in my life. I need his grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hands all over the place. Man, I got both hands up, you know. Jesus, help us. Help us, Lord, to know that we can always come back home, even when we've blown it, even when we messed up. We're still welcome to the Father's house. Amen? Thank God for grace. We're living in what's called a dispensation of grace, friends. And, you know, it, the sands of time are running out. We know that. We believe we're in the last days on the prophetic calendar and all that. But think about it. While there's still grace today, why not, by faith, say, Jesus, I want your grace in my life. Amen? Hey, guys, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you did, take a photo of yourself listening and tag us on social media at Peckville Assembly of God. We'll see you next time. And remember, we love you, God loves you, and may God's richest blessing be yours.